Ready for some word today? Good, good, good. Go with me somewhere like uh, Mark 10 or something. (laughs) Mark the 10th chapter. I want to begin uh, the second part today of my totally righteous sermon. And uh, we know that there's a problem of guilt and condemnation and, and separation. People ex- often experience fear. Uh, they are timid. They lack some of the, the qualities that are in God. They lack some of the characteristics that would be representative of, the, of those who are righteous in their life. And some lack them, and they struggle with these other feelings continually because, uh, well, they're not righteous. <laughs> and others uh, suffer from these conditions and these problems because they don't know that they are righteous. They don't know the place that they hold with God, the standing, the position they have with Him. And so in order for us to understand what it means to be right or to be righteous, we must know and have a revelation of life and death. Okay, that might sound pretty simple, but uh, there's a lot more to life and death than what's on the surface. All right, things go uh, under the surface. You remember we studied last week about Adam and how the day he ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which he was told not to, That day, he died. He died that moment, but he lived physically for a long, long time after that. So this death that he experienced, that we saw from Romans, that has been passed to all men, he experienced in a moment, it was was spiritual of nature. He didn't die physically, but he died spiritually. And, And there are... Now really, if you, if you look at the, the Word of God, there are three different types of death, okay? A person um, can die physically. We're pretty much aware of physical death because we're around it every day, right? People are passing away. There's physical death. But then the second one, which I just mentioned, that so many are unaware of, and that is spiritual death. And like I said, it's, it, people are trying through mass religions and all kinds of efforts and and works, they're trying to overcome something they don't even know about. They just know something's wrong, something's missing, something's not, not, not on kilter between the Lord and I, but they don't know that they're spiritually dead. And they don't know that religion will not resurrect a, a dead spirit. They don't know that their efforts won't, won't resurrect a dead spirit, but their spiritual death Okay, and then the other death the Bible speaks of is is called eternal death, or it's referred to as the second death. All right, that's separation from God in hell forever. So, so physical death then would be when the spirit and soul is separated from the body. Right, spiritual death then would be when the spirit is separated from the life of God. And then eternal death is when a person is forever eternally separated from God. That's called hell, right? If you, if you like math, if you take physical death plus spiritual death, it equals the second death or eternal death, right? 
And so we want to avoid all kinds of this, don't we? <laughs> I mean, if the Lord doesn't come back between our lifetime, which I doubt, um, that doubt that He won't, uh, we're all going to die physically because that's just the condition of the, the human race, right? But, uh, but spiritual life produces life with God forever. And the reality of spiritual life is, it is, it, it does, and will more so impact our day-to-day when we have the knowledge of it. Okay, how many of dead people live differently than living people? Dead people, they just act different. All right. So I didn't even know dead people act. <laughs> I'm talking about the spiritually dead. Right? A spiritually dead person will act different than a spiritually alive person. Uh, but, but, but here's the thing. Even those who have been made spiritually alive, if they believe wrong concerning their life in Christ, concerning their new nature in Christ, they will live like a dead person. Even though they're, they're heaven-bound, even though they've, they, they've got some spiritual qualities about them that are, that are almost beyond comprehension amazing, they will live like a dead person. And this is, where we, this is where we are today with many people that are legitimately in the body of Christ. They're saved. They have, a, uh, they have forgiveness of sins and eternal life, but they have the mentality of a dead person. A lot of that is preacher's faults, to be honest. Because, because so many have preached guilt and shame and you're a rascal and you're, you know, all kinds of things. I'll get into that later. But, uh, but then people live with this belief about themselves that they, are, they still um, are so, uh, well, dead. <laughs> full of sin. Full of unrighteousness. Full of guile and guilt and shame and all this. And that's exactly what the Lord came to remove from us. And not just from our spirit, but then so that our soul, so our minds would be knowledgeable and conscious of our spiritual condition. And if you know that you're, if you are right with God and you know you're right with God, oh, happy day. I mean, this enables a boldness, a confidence, an access to God, an access to the throne of His grace. It enables your prayers to be, uh, I mean, how many know Jesus said, ask and it shall be given. Someone said, I asked and it wasn't given. Baloney. I'm going with Jesus, not you. Huh? But there are, there are conditions of a person's belief system that must be in line with Scripture before all the stuff just really falls into place. I can, I can believe wrong concerning eternity. That'll cost me eternally. But I, I, if I believe wrong concerning the here and now, that's going to cost me. That's why we have the Word. That's why we have the Spirit of God to adjust and align our beliefs with what is reality, what is true in Christ, what is true in redemption, so we can benefit from it. So there's a lot of pressure in the world today to back off of these type of spiritual absolutes. That people will will pressure you. They'll they'll try to get you and I to to, to water down the message. 
to just be more accepting of all forms of belief and thought and making everything equal and valid. And who is who are you to, to criticize what someone else believes? And uh, listen, we are the most loving people on the planet. But, but how many know love will tell someone the truth? If something is, if a belief, if a, if a way of thinking is wrong, it's also harmful. Even if that person doesn't see it right away, it, it is harmful in the temporary or after a while, it will show up and produce negative experiences. So we want to continually correct our beliefs. You know, you think about a person, a pilot flying an airplane. Uh, how many know if, if, if they don't make corrections, let's stay on the ground for a moment because we all know this. Uh, driving your car, you make what, thousands of corrections every, on every trip. Every time you get in a car, you're constantly adjusting, constantly. Why? Because if you're off a little bit, well, it won't be too long, depending on how much you're off and how wide the road is. It won't be too long till you're off the road. So you continually make adjustments. And that's what we've got to keep a, an eye on when it comes to our belief system, our, what we acknowledge to be true and not true. We pull ourselves back because we're watching television, we're hearing the radio, we're hearing other people talk, we're in a world that is really mixed up, and if you don't watch it, you start believing wrong. Your faith starts getting skewed. It's not that you don't have it, you have lots of faith. You just believe the wrong thing, <laughs> and that, that, that can mess a person up. So we want to continually stay on, uh, on track and not give in to the, the pressures of this world. To say someone that is... To say someone is spiritually dead and will not go, go to heaven, that, you know, that, that'll be rejected by a lot of people. But we have to love them enough to keep saying it. I mean, one of these days there's going to be no more fussing and fight, fighting and arguing about any of this. One of these days there's not going to be no more debating uh, what's wrong. It, it's all just going to be. And uh, I tell you what, you and I are going to be glad if we told people the way things are and didn't back down because of pressure. All right? Um, there's an idea that floats around in the minds of many believers that, that God can do anything He wants, uh, anytime He wants, in whatever way He wants. And, uh, and that's not correct. So, so, well, He's God. Certainly He can do whatever He wants, whenever, however He wants, in whatever way He wants. Well, no, He can't. No. I mean, He has the power. He is, the, he's, he is almighty. He has the power, but that's not how things work. That's not how his kingdom operates. And see, that simplistic, childish type of, of, of understanding of eternity and of the kingdom of God will actually be harmful to us. Say, I don't understand that. Well, again, we go back to this. If God could do anything, anyhow, anytime, anyway, just because he's God, what's the whole bother with Jesus? What's the whole deal with sending His Son to live, to be born, to die, to suffer, to go to hell? To, you know, to all the, what's up with that? If, if God is just able to do anything and everything He wants to do just because He's God, why didn't He skip all that? Why didn't He just say, hey, I just want to save you, 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 or, or everybody? And, and uh, you know, and just do it independent of that. Because it doesn't work that way. Because God is even Himself bound by His own Word. He's not a liar. 
if he turns something over to someone like <clears throat> the human race, uh, authority, the right to do with or without, the right to make the right choice or the wrong choice, and they make the wrong choice, he's committed to that choice too. Everybody with me today? All right. That's why the, the sins of man, the wrong choices that we, have, that we make, they really do have consequence. It's not like God just washes it away and, and it's just, let's just pretend that didn't happen. No, in his love, he went through legal avenues. He, 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 he literally took our sin. These are not just philosophies. And placed them on his son so that he could legally embrace us again. And not break his word. Not break his commitment and his, his promise to, to, to man. So when we understand that his ways are this way, then it's not just... Like I said before, that God's choosing from day to day who's going to live and who's going to die. And, and God's choosing who's going to be blessed and who's going to be cursed. And, and, and who's going to be, have a good life and who's going to have a bad life. It doesn't work that way. All right? We make choices. We make decisions. And they end up... See, we believe, we choose every day what we're going to believe and what we're not going to believe. Something bad happens, we can choose to believe that this is acceptable or absolutely not. I'm not going to have it. You know, if, if our salvation is all hinging and it's all contingent upon the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and not just the will of God, if Jesus on the cross was really necessary, paying for our sins, then how many know you could put everything else, every other blessing, every other cursing, every positive and negative, it all runs through the cross. In other words, that event, that single event, authorized God to bless or make available salvation to mankind. But you can put everything else in that, in that picture too. How about healing? So, you know that God can't just heal anyone He wants to, whenever He wants to, however He wants to? Say, well, certainly He can. He's God. Stop. Wait, 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 wait. What was Jesus necessary for then? Why did Jesus take stripes on his back if healing was independent of what he did? See, and then, then there's this mindset comes in, well, God can just do it. No, no. He can, he, he in his love and great mercy and amazing wisdom and fantastic plan set it all out to where Jesus would be cursed for us, but Jesus was necessary. It's by his stripes we're healed in no other way. Say, well, what about people in the Old Testament? Uh, weren't some of them saved? Well, they had to wait for Jesus to be uh, raised from the dead to be born again. That spiritual life. Say, what about their healing? All those things were done on credit. Those uh, healings of the Old Testament, they were done based on a future thing that was going to happen. They borrowed, swiped their card. Their Jesus card. You know what I'm talking about? In God, they were done that way. Because otherwise, God had no no legal avenue to bless a man, a human race, mankind, who had rejected him. Am I getting too into this today? This is my simple ABC's message. All right. And so, again, now God can't save a spiritually dead person just because he likes them. There has to be, and thank God there was, a substitute, a sacrifice. Someone had to pay for the crime. 
And thank God Jesus did pay for the crime. But he can't do it just because he likes them. It took Jesus. And this is also the case with other things. Here's the good news about it. Because this has already happened. And so now salvation is available to everyone. But not just out of the blue. Oh, God's a good guy. And he said, no. Yes, he's a good guy. And yes, he loved us. And he did what was necessary to redeem us. Amen. And likewise, it's true with other things. That's why we always point back to the cross. Always point back to the cross. Always point back to what Jesus did. Always remember what he did on the cross. You know, someone said, just pray for my healing. Well, thank God we can do that. But thank God, you know why? It's because by his stripes you were. But here's the good news about all that again. Because Jesus already did it, it's available to everyone. What about healing? It's the exact same. Because Jesus already took care of it, it's available to everyone. And if it's not available to everyone, it's not available to anyone. If God's love and forgiveness is not available to everyone, it's not available to anyone. Your, your very life and reality, the fact that you have come into a relationship with God, is proof evidence that God loves every single person. The fact that one person has ever been healed of any kind of disease or sickness is evidence that God provided and paid for that, that healing to be made available for everyone. Yeah. Happy day. Go over with me to the book of Mark. You might already be over there. Mark chapter 10. I haven't decided on a text yet for the series. We'll get to it in part 3 probably. Probably be in 2 Corinthians. Mark chapter 10. This was an interesting uh, event. That took place one day in the, in the life and ministry of Jesus. It, it reads in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Is that a good question? I mean, it, it's, a good, it's a good question in this regard. Uh, it's a better question than what should I have for lunch? It has a little more depth to it than, than some of the, 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 the natural things that we deal with from day to day. He is talking about eternity. He is interested in, in living forever. He is interested in heaven. Uh, but yeah, how many can see here the very fact that there was a question indicates that he knew there was a problem. How many of you have not asked that question for a long, long time? You know what I'm talking about? You haven't asked the question, what do I need to do to be saved? Why? Well, we already know it. We've already received salvation. We've already been born again. But if you had a, a dead spirit, then you are asking that question. All right? People come to a point where they recognize, I'm lost. I'm sinful. There's a problem. I need to know uh, what, what needs to happen here. What do I need to do? And uh, the answer to this, in this question, though, is how many know if we really get down to it, there's nothing a person can do. There's, there's nothing, there's no activity, there's no action that they can be involved with uh, to be saved um, except trust God, except believe in what Jesus did. But again, this is how natural man thinks, I need to do something. There's something I must do. There's some activity, there's some work, there's some process that I must do so that I can be saved, so that I can have eternal life. No, absolutely nothing you can do. Except believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You turn from your efforts and turn towards His efforts for you. Anyway, let's continue reading. It said, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? 
No one is good but one, that is, God. And you can see one of the issues here that this individual had with, uh, in his conversation with the Lord. Uh, and Jesus called him on it right away. See, he was willing to look at Jesus as a good guy. But how many know he wasn't, look at, he wasn't willing to look at Jesus as a God guy? He, he, call, he, he called him good, but he wouldn't call him God. And, and how many know that's one of the basics of, of New Testament salvation? I mean, the, the Scripture tells us that God was manifest in the flesh. God was manifest in the flesh. Jesus wasn't just your old ordinary dude walking around. He was God manifest in the flesh. And, 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 and that's, one of the, that's one of the areas that the enemy has come to uh, steal. One of the truths that he's come to steal. And people go way off course when they start uh, believing, oh, Jesus was just another prophet. Or Jesus was just a good teacher. Or Jesus was an angel or something like that. There are different uh, religious groups that will, will tell you things like that. Um, or, or Jesus was the brother of Lucifer or something silly like that. Right? All kinds of misconceptions. All kinds of twistings of the reality of who Jesus is and who he was. Okay? And, and this guy was willing to call him a good guy. And how many know it's one thing to call him good, it's a whole other thing to call him God. Uh, praise God. And so, and, and so uh, the Lord continued on. You know, I was, I was noticing over there in Matthew when, when Jesus was being tried, they kept pressing him, kept pressing him, you know, in his silence. And uh, tell us whether you are the Christ. You know, and at one point he said, yeah, that's right. It, it is as you say. I am that. You know, you know what they did with that? They blew their top. They called it blasphemy, basically, because in their language, in their day, they knew when someone said that, that they were equating themselves with God. He was basically acknowledging, I am deity. I am God. And so they put him on the cross for it. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, they, they, they knew these things himself. Let's go on, keep, keep reading verse 19. You know the commandments. Uh, do not commit adultery. He's talking to this, this rich young ruler. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And uh, does, that, does that seem a little bit odd that Jesus would give him that kind of answer? I mean, we know that's, of the, that's the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament law. But Jesus is bringing in a new day and a new way. And, and he's becoming, about to become, you know, he is, but is about to pay the price for our sin. And become the savior of the world. And yet this guy asks about eternal life. And he starts quoting Moses. Have you ever quoted Moses when, about eternal life? I don't. I quote Jesus. But not this one. <laughs> Does it seem odd that he's telling him. Well you just need to start living your life a better way. You just need to stop stealing. You need to obey these commandments. And, and, and that just doesn't seem, doesn't seem altogether New Testament. Seems a little bit Old Testament. But Jesus is getting to a purpose here. He's saying these things for a reason. And, and let's keep reading. And verse 20, and he answered and, and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Now, now let's stop, stop for a moment. Is that true? All these things I have kept from my youth. Let, let, let's put it into, into New Testament language. Like Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. It reads, For all have 
sinned and have come short of the glory of God. What's this guy saying? I haven't. He's saying, I've kept all these commandments. I've done everything right. I have not sinned nor fallen short of the glory of God. Which is the reason Jesus is bringing this up. Do you know that, 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 that Jesus brought these sayings up for the express purpose of revealing this guy's spiritual condition? He's not telling him that if you'll, if you'll stop stealing and stop murdering and stop doing all these things, then you'll go to heaven. Huh? Because that's not true, right? But what he is telling them is, is uh, you're a rascal, and you just don't know it. <laughs> you're a sinner, but you don't think you are. You've, got, you've fallen short of the glory of God, but you think you've lived a perfect life. You think you're above that. You think, I'm a pr- good person, so I should be good to go. You're asking this question about obtaining an eternal life, but you, th- you already think you're probably okay. And you're not. Look, look, hold your finger there for a moment. Uh, look over with me at, at Romans 3. Romans 3. See, Jesus is quoting the law to him, which is a whole list of requirements. He's quoting the Ten Commandments. There's ten there, and there's lots of others after that. Uh, in Romans chapter 3, look what, uh, the, what Paul said. This is New Covenant, now Revelation of the law. In verse 19, he reads, he, he says here, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped. Why was the law written? To shut people up. That's pretty strong, huh? The law was written, the Ten Commandments, all these other things, to shut people up. What do you mean shut people up? From declaring their own, their own righteousness. From proclaiming their own goodness. I'm strong enough. I'm good enough. Uh, He said, no, we've got a law. Read this. And when you're done, (laughs) you'll stop talking. He said, and, and uh, so the the mouth of every man, of every person may be stopped. And all the world may become guilty before God. What's the purpose of the law? To make them guilty. Wow. Wow. Would God really do that? Yeah, in His love. In His love. Because they were guilty. They were spiritually dead. They were separated from His life and from, from, from Him in eternity. And He needed them to know it. Yeah. Why do they need to know it? So they'll stop in their own efforts and they'll look to Him for help. He said, so the law was given to make everyone guilty. Everyone. There's not an innocent person on the planet. Now we know or excuse me, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. And so all these commandments were given to let people know what rascals they were. And why was Jesus bringing this up to the rich young ruler who said, what should I do to inherit eternal life? He needed to let him know that he was a sinner. He needed to remind him that he has fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because only when a person recognizes that they're guilty, when a person recognizes they're in trouble, will they look to the Lord for help. They'll realize they've come to the end of themselves. There's nothing else that they can do, and they must rely on Him to do it for them. And so he went on to say uh, that he'd done all these things from his youth. Verse 21, Then Jesus, looked at, looking at him, loved him, 
I mean, oh, he loved him. He's not trying to be mean to him. He's not trying to criticize, not trying to put him down, not trying to ruin. No, he loved him and said, one thing you lack. He loved him. He's given him a hard saying, hard for him to handle. One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. Now we can see what the Lord was doing here. The guy thought he was totally righteous. The guy thought he was totally set, had obeyed all the commandments, done everything right. And he, that was his, his confession to the Lord. And Jesus said, actually, um, that wouldn't be true. And he demonstrated that by telling the guy to give up his possessions, which revealed when he wouldn't do them that he was breaking one of the primary commandments of the Old Testament. And that is that you should have no other gods before me. And just like that, it was revealed to him that, that he was not as good as he thought he was. He had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and so that's the purpose. Some say, well, Jesus wants everyone to sell all they have. Jesus wants everyone to stop trusting in themselves. He wants them to not be self-righteous, but to find the, the place where they become the righteousness of God in Christ. See, the goal for our lives today is not that we feel and that we live with a sense of guilt and, and inferiority and condemnation, but that we recognize outside of Christ we're toast. And then we rely fully and completely on Him. And so, you know, again, the Scripture said that, we sh- that Exodus 20, that we shall have no other gods before Him. And, uh, and we've all blown it. Yeah. The other thing we can see here is, is that this, this man was not willing to make Jesus his Lord and his master. He was not willing to make a complete commitment of his life to the control of the Lord. But even though Jesus gave him a very strong statement, I emphasize this already, but the Bible says that Jesus loved him. This is something we need to recognize about true love, about the love of God, is, is love is going to tell you the way it is. It's not going to do it in a mean way. It's not going to do it in some way. To, it's going to do it for, with a motive of helping. But if we won't tell people the truth because we're afraid of how they might respond to it, how can that really be love? Hmm. You know, if, you're, if your best friend... Uh, drives people away out of his life. No one wants to hang around him because his breath stinks so bad that people can't stand to have a conversation with him. But you love your friend so much and you just can't tell him. Get a mint. <laughs> Is that love? No, because you know their thing, the thing that's going on, they probably don't even know about it. They're not even aware of it and no one loves them enough to tell them. Right? Or if they got body odor or something, they just stink everywhere they go. But no one loves them enough to to tell them the truth and just tell them, hey, you need some new deodorant. (laughs) Sorry, is that too natural? Is that too where we live, you know? Uh, love, Love will tell people things that will help them to move forward in life. 
And uh, if, it, if it's true about some of that natural stuff, how much more is it necessary? You know, the scriptures talk about even uh, about, uses this language about warning people. Sometimes, it, sometimes we are supposed to warn people about judgment that is to come. Warn people about the, about the path that they are on, how it is going to lead to destruction. Hmm. And I'm not talking about being a judgmental person about someone's behavior. But listen, sin is sin. And if someone doesn't receive the forgiveness of their sins, they're in trouble. And, and love will tell someone the truth. Can you do that? I mean, could you do this? This is a hard thing. It's kind of a hard saying. Tell someone, you know, you need to sell everything you have. I mean, the guy came running to Jesus and knelt before him and, and was asking him sincerely. And Jesus said, you need to sell everything you have. And I think he knew that he wasn't going to do it. That's why he brought that up. Why? Because the guy, it wasn't that selling everything he had would give him eternal life. He needed to stop trusting in himself. He needed to realize that he had fallen short of the glory of God. And so unless a person is willing to make Jesus Lord of their life, they can't be saved. They can't be made totally righteous. Hmm. And when it comes to us in our day-to-day, in our life, those of us who are already saved, the moment we begin to uh, trust and put our focus on the good deeds that we have committed, uh, on our, our goodness, our own ability to be faithful or anything else, that's the moment we have just detracted from the finished work of the cross. I want to encourage people to, stru- people to stop trusting man for things that come from God. I want to encourage people to stop trusting themselves. Stop trusting I don't mean this in a negative way. We're going to have faith in each other depending on our relationship. But I mean on the things that come from God. Stop trusting in this world. Stop trusting in government. Stop trusting that everything in this world is all, everything's just going to be fine. It's just going to be okay. Listen, that, that's the sentiment of the last days. Those were, that was the sentiment of the days of Noah. Before the flood came, everyone's eating and drinking and living life and, 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 and no, no, no concern about anything to come. Everything's fine. Everything's always been fine. Everything, my whole life, everything's been good. And they begin to trust in the ways of this world. But I'm telling you, the ways of this world will not last. And they will not sustain. And they will not hold us up. Huh? Some, people, some of you have realized that with situations in your life or family members, when you've run up against a physical condition, a disease of some kind, that the natural medicine, the medical science, couldn't fix. I don't mean they're not trying their hardest. I don't mean they're not, they're not try, trying to... They just don't have the ability. They're so very limited. And when a person has lived their whole life relying upon and leaning upon the, the intellect and the accomplishments of man, they're going to run out at some point. And if we haven't developed a consciousness of our right standing with God and how He is our provider, our Savior, our healer, our everything, then we run into trouble when this world can no longer hold us up. It's time. Man, I tell you, it was time a long time ago. 
But wherever we stand today, make Him your righteousness. Make Him your healer, your savior, your deliverer, your freedom, your strength. Him and Him alone. He's the only one that can pull it off. And He's the only one that can handle the stuff that is happening in our world today. So so what should I do? (laughs) Stop trying to do anything. As far as your own worthiness or effort or, 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 you know, like I'm talking about self uh, works and effort and that type of thing. Stop trying to do anything to contribute to your relationship or your standing. Let me say it that way. Your standing with God. And rest completely and fully in Jesus as the Savior. In your everything. The Savior from what? Everything bad. First and foremost, sin, but every other attack, every other thing that would come against us, rest in Him as the Savior. Amen. Well, I don't understand why I'm hurting in my body. I mean, I'm in church and I prayed. Well, maybe that's the problem. What do you mean that's the problem? The problem of thinking that you should be healed because you're in church or because you prayed. No, you should be healed because of Jesus and His stripes. Again, we got to go back to that's like saying, "Oh, I don't understand why I'm not uh, forgiven of my sins," and or, or you know what I'm talking about? Well, why? Because I've been trying real hard. I've been going to class, and I've been reading self-help books, and I've been doing uh, well. Fine, you can do all that stuff, but uh, what does that have to do with your right standing with God? Nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. We get to a place where we give up and we say, it's all you, Lord. It's all you. Nothing I can do. I rest fully on you in every area of my life. Then all the barriers are removed. Because that is simple, God-like faith that lays hold of all His his blessings and promises. Amen. Y'all quite quiet today. Is everyone okay? Amen. Should I scream a little bit? Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness today. Thank you for your kindness toward us. Lord, may we be knowledgeable, mindful of, and constantly aware of what you have done in us, for us, through us, that we might never rely upon our efforts, our ability, our strength, our good deeds. We are completely and utterly lost without your help and your mercy. But thank you. Thank you that Jesus paid the price. Thank you that Jesus took our place. And now we have right standing. And now we have your righteousness inside of us. Thank you for working in us. We acknowledge these things are so. These things are true. These things are a reality in us. There's nothing we can add to it or take away from it. But we rest in you today. And thank you, Lord. Now we're saved. Now we're healed. Now we're free. Now we live in the victory. And Jesus gets all the glory, all the credit, all the honor. And we're just thankful. We give you the praise for it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. The Lord is good.